0: Welcome to the You Need More Money podcast. I'm your host, Matt Monero, where I come to you each and every week from my studio in Dallas, Texas. Today is a Saturday, something very interesting. We haven't done an episode, Billy, on a Saturday in here. And it's also interesting because this is only the first time I've had a guest on twice. We've never had that before. Dave, you are the first person to be on the podcast. That must mean you're repeating. That's so good. I can be
1: the Chevy Chase of your show, right? <laughs> and so we'll start a club and I get to wear a robe next time and the other guys too. And we'll have a special club. Is that cool? I love the idea. <laughs> All the young people listening is like, who's Chevy Chase and what is he talking about? Right? See, I, wonder, yeah, right? <laughs> I wonder if it's
0: better for you to introduce you, Dave, because you have accomplished so much. How do you feel
1: if I ask you? to do that. Yeah, I'm but. fine with that. Absolutely. Well, hit us up. Because get I, off, you know, interrupt me if I get off topic and but I don't start know to if, cry or something.
0: Look, I don't know if the introduction is really where you're at anymore, right? I mean, right. You've, your life has accomplished so much but I see a lot of the future is not really all that connected to the past you're doing different stuff different
1: cool stuff yeah Yeah. so maybe i'll start with a little bit of the past to give some people background because it's not a hot household name uh only in my own circles so uh you know i will start with how i grew up because i think it's important to my journey yeah i grew up with six kids five boys and a girl in akron ohio and like my whole focus in life was to be rich but not like most kids that wanted to be rich. You know, we were talking about this realtor I know that watched 90210 when he wanted the big house and the Ferrari. I literally was a happy kid. Two-bedroom apartment with you know, six kids and a single mom who had to come home, I'm, I'm already getting choked up, but in a station wagon, f- feed us in a bag bag, Dinner, lunch, peanut butter and jelly, or bologna. Go out and fill up turnstiles in a car. Uh, you know, in the Seven Elevens, the card they used to have greeting card turnstiles, and that's so we could eat, right? So he was a teacher. Come home, six kids, and that's how much money I think she made seventeen thousand dollars a year. Um, and so at that time, I was happy though. My older brothers would teach us, and you know, it was just a lot of action, a lot of fun. I played outside all day, so who cared about if I had video games? It's a different scene. But I would come home sometimes and catch my mom crying, mm-hmm. man. So that turned my whole life around because I just wanted to buy a house, mm. like literally. Rich um, was buy a house. Rich would buy a house and a car for her. Like we had a beaten station wagon, with country squire station wagon, is nineteen seventy one station wagon with one hundred and fifty thousand miles, and that thing would break down. She would cry because she would be embarrassed to have to ask for help, because yeah. she couldn't afford to fix it. So. My siblings were, my mom was an educator, so for her, the freedom was through education. So there was no doubt, I was born into a Michael Jordan-esque family when it came to intellect, or academics, I should say, beyond intellect. Every one of my siblings, Harvard, Penn, Columbia, summa cum laude, valedictorians, only kid in my family ever to get a B, and you would have thought that I went to school in a little yellow bus drooling because I got a B. The siblings were looking at me, but I really didn't care. Like literally, I knew I was street hustle smart, and I knew I could. If I applied myself in school, I felt like I'd be a better student than all of them. Higher test scores. Forget Harvard summa cum laude. That's what I felt about myself. But I wanted to make money, and I actually told my brother, five years old, when he I wouldn't read. I said, "It doesn't matter. I'm going to be rich." What are you going to be? I'm going to be a doctor when I grow up. My brother told me. I'm like, I'm going to be rich, hmm. and I thought I'd be rich from playing football. Which is weird because my dad's smaller than me, my grandpa's even smaller than him, and nobody in my family is an athlete. But for some reason, I, you know, felt I could be a professional football player, and I worked way harder at being a professional football player than anything I've ever done in my life.
0: No kidding. By far,
1: I, I tell people all the time, I. I'm a, like a mule, like, I'm not smarter than you. I'm, I am I literally cannot work you because what I did to play college football was extraordinary. Mm-hmm. If, if I could admit to people the amount of hours that I spent being a student of the game, working out at 147 pounds with no body fat, I was so strong for a little guy. But anyway, my very first game in college, I get run over by Christian Okoye. Now, I get, at least get the play, right? Christian Okoye runs me over, and that's when I decide, okay, I better go to med school. <laughs> I did. Tree over. I literally was on my back, and the first thing wasn't like, holy S-word. It was, okay, I really better apply myself. I'm pretty mad here. I better go to med school because I'm not going to be rich playing football. I'm lucky to go to a scholarship. But... but
0: uh... All you and your siblings knew early on that if college was going to happen, you guys were going to have
1: to be high
0: achievers for a scholarship.
1: No doubt. My mom made it very clear. Mm -hmm. You're going to graduate school, then the fetus will be fully developed, and you're paying for it. Period. That's, and you're going to do it. Like, and Jewish guilt will be my weapon. Yeah. You know, that face of disappointment. Yeah. And so, you know, I learned very quickly I didn't want to be a doctor. This is a great lesson. You know, I went to go visit my brother in a hospital. He was doing his residency. I got in there. I'm like, I hate hospitals, man. He goes, Dave, you want to be a doctor? What are you talking about? Like, I want to be a sports doctor or a pediatrician. I'm not going to be in a hospital. No moron. I know you're 18. Be more interested than interesting. Mm-hmm. And I'm known for that line mm-hmm. because later on in life, I was the CEO of Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment, most notable sports agency in the world. People know him for the movie Jerry Maguire. Yeah. It's where I met Warren Moon, my business partner. And so many kids still today come up to me. They even don't know my name. They'll call me Mr. McGuire. They'll call me Mr. Steinberg or even Mr. Meltzer and tell me I want to be a sports agent. Yeah. And immediately in my head, I think, you know about as much of being a sports agent as I did about being a doctor. Be more interested than interesting. Ask for help. Get mentors. I ended up going to law school. Decision just comes after. I did very well in law school because I did apply myself. And I got two job offers. To be a maritime or oil and gas litigator, make a lot of money. I was a good litigator. But secondly, to work in the internet. Sell, be a salesman, but sell legal research online. But I remember, who did you say that you were going to go do that to?
0: And they all said you were out of your mind.
1: My mom. Your mother was the one. My biggest influence in my life. One of the second most scary thing I've ever had to tell my mom was, hey, what should I do? And in my mind, I knew I wanted to sell. Yeah. I didn't really like the law. I was a good litigator. I don't like. I did not like the conflict. I, I liked Lit- litigation it. is selling. Yeah, and, but but it was the hurting people. Like I was such a good salesman. I literally there's some humanity in me from growing up with my mom that I felt I could convince anyone in a courtroom of anything. And you know the Valdez could spill as much oil as they want, and Dave Meltzer would be the responsible party. Like this is in my head anyway. <laughs> so I ask my mom, and she tells me, without blinking, be a real lawyer. You're a great litigator. You'll be a great lawyer. And you're going to make a lot of money to help people, Dave. And I was like, ah. Oh, and I had to tell her I'm not going to do it. Yeah. I'm going to sell it. Nine months later, I always say, I bought my mom a house and a car, paid off all my law loans. And uh, you know I do give a lesson there. Uh, not only is it just because someone loves you doesn't mean they give you good advice. Mm-hmm. And for my whole life, I'd go to people who love me a lot. And I'd ask them for advice, but what does a second grade teacher know about the internet? She actually said to me, be a real lawyer because the internet is going to be a fad. Well, that's the other lesson though, right?
0: I mean, take advice from people who should know. I mean, I used to take advice in my business from from this old guy who would say, only one hand works the register in your business, right? And I would say, oh, that sounds like good advice. And then all these years later, I'm like, wait a minute. He was the old man working the register at the little itty-bitty grocery store. Right. Well, I didn't see it early on, right? What terrible advice because I didn't I didn't force the issue of verification of success.
1: That's a very good point. I'm not
0: trying to say that you're but you were no. referencing on your mother's I love too. her. It's no, of course.
1: Point. And she even admits that she laughs at me today because, <laughs> you know, as a parent too, I learned to tell my kids, I don't know anything about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's find somebody that does. Yep. A good parent, a good boss has the radical humility to say, hey – I don't know anything about, you know, this media stuff. Let me go find Gary V. Yeah. Right? Cuz my young guys in the media was like, "Dave, you got to start building a brand." I'm like, "I don't know anything about that. Who's the the famous guy that does it?" They are like, Gary, "Gary V." v Gary so, v. I found Gary V and found a way to help him and of course he help.
0: How do you get to a guy like Gary V though, right? I mean, th- let's let's help people with this piece because what you're saying is reach high for the best. But a lot of people can figure out who the best is, but they have no idea how to get to them. How do you get to a Gary Vee for what two, you were
1: trying to do? Two ways, ask and attract. You know, first of all, if you keep asking and and you're willing to attract, willing to give, you'll find whoever you are. If, if you consistently I you know, I'm really good at it. I, I will help anybody. But, you know, I want something mm-hmm. there. So if somebody asks me to do something for them, I'll say, Send me a business plan. Or if I don't have something, I'll literally say send some guy sent me one, a paper clip. Right, because there's so many people that ask me for things, I want them to be committed. But you got to be able, in my case, I met AJ, his brother, yeah. and I knew he was starting a sports agency, so I just offered my help. For Vayner Sports. For Vayner Sports. I said, hey, AJ, I ran the most notable sports agency. Now people say, well, great, I can't do that. But no, if you looked at AJ, you know that he has a great charity. And I promise you, a great way to get to AJ would be to say, hey, I'm really interested in helping you with your cause. Yep. How can I be a service? Yep. You'll build an emotional attachment in a relationship. And because of that, eventually, organically, Gary will be around and say, hey, can I meet your brother? Well, for me, that's exactly what happened. And then I offered help to Gary, and he said, how much do you, do you charge, right, you know, for to be a consultant? I said, I don't want anything. He said, well, what can I do for you? Because he's a keep score guy. We we have a competition who can help more than the other person. Ah. And, I, and I said, you can consult for me. I go, can you make a chubby, middle-aged, you know, guy famous on the internet like you did wine? And he goes, No problem. <laughs> you know, and he taught me how. And now I convinced him. You know, we're talking about doing things for free and being abundant. He put out his manifesto on content the other day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That
0: 40 pages or something like that. Yeah. Genius. Yeah. And
1: yeah. I'm reading through it. I'm like, this is all the stuff Gary taught me. Everybody should be reading that. Here's the interesting thing about being more interested than interesting, too. I have told so many people, I'm a you know, a pretty good life coach and business coach. And they ask me this same question. I'm like, it's free on the internet. Take it from God himself, Gary Vee, my mentor in this situation. Yeah. Go read it. So many of these people aren't, aren't interested. I go, have you read it? Oh, they 'll even post Gary Vee just posted this, so have you read it right. Uh, no right, 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 like, right, right where's the get the
0: game man put push foot on the field man. yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, but
0: so the internet thing happens uh, that was you taking encyclopedia data, putting it on the internet all the legal books F- all the legal books cases
1: the- codes, secondary materials, I work for the biggest publisher, legal publisher, the keys that you see behind every lawyer on the commercial. Uh, Now, here's where I got genius, right? Not only did the company get bought by Thomson Reuters for $3.4 billion Mm in 1995, which was a lot of money back then, but I was so insecure, and I hope people realize what I'm saying. I was so insecure about selling legal research. Now, I made millions of dollars. I was more successful than any kid out of my law school, but I still, my ego was still in my way that I had to keep the ESQ, the Esquire, on my card. And if people asked me what I did... You were a lawyer. I was a lawyer. Yeah. Embarrassing. Sure. So sure. I made the decision when that Thompson Reuters thing happened that I was no longer... I took the bar. My mom made me. I passed the bar, but I was no longer a lawyer. Mm-hmm. I was a technology guru. Mm-hmm. That So I... Branded myself in the Silicon Valley is, hey, man, I sold Internet products to 17 billion dollars in my early 20s. I'm one of the few people, you know, that are making money in the Internet. Hire me and I'll do it for wireless now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I yeah. Uh, convinced the censure of this. I became a young director in the Silicon Valley. I was more interested than interesting. Met all Sequoia, Texas Pacific, Amarindo, the big and and I remember no engineering background, no finance degree. Yeah,
0: no IT background.
1: <laughs> None. I just started learning the business and asking people and developing a network. And next thing you know, I'm raising $169 million, Mm -hmm. multimillionaire. And Samsung approaches me and said, Hey, Mr. Innovating guru of technology, will you be the CEO of the world's first smartphone? The first Windows CE device ever created. We're naming it the PC dash e-phone $1,700 device, very popular in Korea and China, we're taking it to America. You're gonna be the face, this young thirty—I was thirty-one-year-old CEO, and I looked around all the time. And some people feel this too. I felt like I was the biggest BSer ever. That mm. I was—I wasn't worthy of everything I had. Yeah, I was. The, I mean, I felt like a fraud. Yeah, I felt like a fraud, and I never gave credibility to my worthiness. Yeah. And I had an internal thermostat. That after I retired in my 30s, I couldn't even admit to people why I retired. I shouldn't even call it retirement. They forced me out because we became the second largest manufacturers of phones in the world, Samsung. And it was way above my head. Sorry, I mean, Zoxy came out. I wasn't a CEO. I was in that early stage of the Internet where young guys who could talk really well and sell were great face people for technology. I wasn't Steve Jobs, right? I was Sean Parker. That Sean was a friend of mine. That's exactly who I was. You were sort of this guy
0: that no one really knew how he was doing it, but we need to know this guy. And you even embraced a little of that, too. Like, I'm not actually sure I know exactly how I'm doing it, all but it's time. happening for me. Yeah, and I'm making money. Uh, my buddy, Hank Norman, you know who Hank Norman is? Sounds familiar. He's he's uh, he's a, a media coach, really. he He's handled Cardone and yeah, Steve okay. Harvey yeah. and all those guys. But what he tells me about Steve Harvey is that Steve Harvey wakes up every day and says, Today the day that everybody's going to find out that I'm a fraud.
1: Yeah. Right. So many famous people. You know, I was around athletes all the time, and they would tell me the same thing. That as they an didn't agent. even,
0: but they didn't even know. And were you saying that they were a fraud? Even athletically, At- that they were a fraud? A- absolutely.
1: No they, like they felt, and these are Hall of Fame <laughs> athletes that are my friends, right? They felt that they were in a certain system, certain circumstance, and that they would be revealed in the next game that they were a fraud. Oh my gosh. Same exact. It's a worthiness. It's an energy. It's an unconscious competency that we have that we have to get over and it can cause you to lose everything.
0: Yeah, it can. And I think also some people who don't have it, who think they have it, it can, it can cause them to just be something they're not.
1: No doubt. And I, that's where I came to the realization because I did lose everything, surrounded myself with the wrong people, the wrong ideas, went to blame, shame and justification. That's where that realization that number one, I have to live with gratitude. Yeah. You, know, you have your values on the wall. Yeah. I have to live with forgiveness. Most importantly, accountability. The day people ask you, "Well, how, weren't you depressed?" Right? I had over a hundred million dollars in property, golf course, ski mountain, thirty-three different properties, condo conversions, way over my skis. No knowledge. Never asked for help. But the day I got freed was when I was, one day of depression, lying in bed, and I said to myself wait a second. It's not all those people that I got into lawsuits. It's not the guy that committed fraud on me. It's right. It's not my wife's fault because she wanted, you know, the Ferrari and the Porsche and the big house. And I never really wanted this. This is things that were going to my mind. It was the day I sat there and said, I'm accountable. I still get choked up because it meant so much to me to say, hold on. So I went, I walked over to my mom's house because I bought her a bigger house. And I walked over there, knocked on the door, hardest thing I've ever done. And I said, mom, I was teary-eyed. I'm like, hey, I got to tell you something. I've lost everything. I, I, I'm claiming bankruptcy, and uh, you're going to have to. This is going to affect your house. Yeah. I'm going to have to move you out of your house. I think you're not going to have to sell the Lexus I bought you. Uh, but I, I will find a place for you to live, and I promise you Holy that shit. I'll make it back. Huh. Right? And I said, but, but, mom, I'm accountable. That's all. Right? And I thought- that she would be, because you know, upset. She's moving. She's now a little older, yeah. and she just looked at me and she goes, "I'm so proud of you." Mm. I, I have no doubt, no doubt, no that doubt. You're going make it. That all you'll bad. be fine, yeah. and I'll be fine. And if you need any help, like this is my mom. Do you need anything? Do you need some money? Do you need anything? I'll be there for you. How like, did
0: this play out though? At that moment with your siblings, who were they, Were your siblings a
1: little bit like?
0: Well, Dave, we don't know whether you're real either because you don't have this academic necessarily track that we have.
1: It sucked because the truth is, it was almost like, "Eh, I told you, Uh, right? And it was in my mind. The the last thing my siblings wanted for me is to have struggle. But in my mind, Mm. it was like every single one of them was like, you should have studied harder in school. You shouldn't have been an entrepreneur. All those things that we warned you about, safety, safety, safety. And for me... That's where I had to let it go. And I just stood up to him and said, I'll be back. I'll be. And my wife's uncle, who know me since I've been nine, I've known my wife since I was I remember nine. remember you telling me about that. It's the best, right? Because yeah. he fired me up because my wife was crying, going, I don't know if Dave can pull us out of this. And he said, look, I've known this kid since he was nine years old. I can't wait to see what he does with his back against the wall. Yeah, yeah. And that's where that football side of we talk about sports and how it translates. I know you're an ex-athlete, Matt. But how it can translate over until you've stood up and to those odds and athletically for me, it was like, not a problem. I'm so much better off with all the skills and knowledge that I have now mm-hmm. than I was to try to be a professional football totally. player. Now, now I can see the whole field. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I got a lot of steam on me yeah. and it was awesome. And I lived my life. The, the thing that most people don't understand about bankruptcy, because I get a lot of coaching with people that are in hard times. It took me two years to go bankrupt, right? I had a lot of assets, and I actually made a conscious decision to pay everyone back and still – so during the bankruptcy, I could have held on and fought it and done And I said, wait a second. I'm going to end up screwing a lot more people. So I went and made a conscious decision to say, OK, I'm going to file bankruptcy, but I'm going to have enough assets because I had a lot of equity lot, to pay everyone, right? And So
0: the bankruptcy was just to buy a little time.
1: Yeah. It, 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 it was even more. It was to clear my energy. Mm. And it was also to deal with radical humility. Because to me, yeah, most yeah. people won't realize this. You might, but I—the most difficult thing would be not only to tell my mom I was bankrupt, yeah. my siblings, my aunts, my uncles, the community, the Midas Meltzer has fallen—but to stand on stage and write a book, to radically and with complete humility say, "Everybody can screw up," <laughs> and I did. Yeah. But I've learned these lessons that none of it matters because I learned and I started living for two years with gratitude, empathy, accountability, and effective communication. I was empowered when I went bankrupt. I I wasn't in a bad place. The weirdest thing is to everyone else, it was a snapshot. It's like success. Dave Meltzer's an overnight success. Really? (laughs) Right. Gary Vee's an overnight success. Really? (laughs) Not really. It was a lot of years. Well, for me, I was so already on the right track that my wife, when the and this really happened. She, uh, sheriff's drove up. They took stuff out of my Rancho Santa Fe home. Yeah. Right. Sirens going, embarrassing. Yeah. And I, I was mellow, and she was like, "Dave." And that's when she felt like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "No, I know what I'm doing." Look, years ago, um, I got and you sued. Torts, right? Well, that yeah. was yeah, but 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 very
0: similar situation. Not not uh, to the fact of losing it, but to that fact of drawing the line in the sand that says. I'm going to, I'm ready to address that, that fear that I have that says, am I really good? And I think the only way guys like me and you know how to do it is we got to go back to zero. Yeah. Be- and that was for me. I didn't care if the company went to zero. It did not matter. In fact, there was a piece of me that said, I hope it does. Right. <laughs> right. Just take it down to the bottom. Now we got whack 30 million and four companies yeah. competing against us, stealing customers, the whole deal. It wasn't fun. Yeah. Right. But. But I didn't worry for a moment that it was the right decision to be doing. But I remember getting sued years ago early on in this company. And the um, the, the guy who serves, I can't remember what the name of that guy is, right? The processor, yeah, or whatever yeah, his name the is. I can't guy, remember. Right? Service guy. <laughs> and um, and uh, uh, he came knocking at the door. And the guy said, Are you Matt Monero? And I said, Yeah. And uh, he said, I got some papers for you. And I said, uh, Fantastic. Why don't you come on in? And. Uh, <laughs> I said, can to get you something to drink. What do you like? And he's like, uh, he's like, no, I just need you to sign here. And then he leaves. And my roommate was like, I don't understand. Why don't you run from that guy? I said, I'm not afraid of this stuff, man. Yeah. Bring it on. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know exactly what to do with it and how to handle it, <laughs> but I'm not afraid that it's happening to me. Yeah. And that's the hardest part about scaling a business and growing a business is that when you begin to delegate to other people, you don't have the ability to be Superman and control everything like that, right? That's actually weird. And it's a lot of things I think what keeps businesses small is that the owner has such confidence in themselves, but they don't have the ability to have it in others.
1: Right. And that is a huge point. In fact, you have a telephone booth in here that people sign and there's a variety of reasons you have it. And I thought it was for that reason. Mm. I thought it was to remind you that you're not Superman, mm. right? Because you, 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 you had that it's bravado cool to me, that, right? That, you know, hey, I'm human, and this business, as I walk in with your values and your mission statement and the quotes from all my favorite people yeah. are on the walls, I'm thinking humanity. Like, we can create abundance. It's one of my favorite offices that I've come in and said, wow, this guy gets it. He gets it. He makes more money than most people but it's not about that. it's not even a challenge for him anymore. He doesn 't think about making a hundred million because that's just a limit that you know time and ego aren't in his way anymore. no go it, on it 's empowerment right yep. and it's providing value whether it's you're providing. You know, your single mom's special health care and, and fitness for everybody and massages, you know, like you said, not like the Google, you know, I got M M's and, and raisinettes and for pong everyone. Tables and Yeah, stuff. No. no, that's not my scene either. But what you're doing is empowering <laughs> others to empower others. You're saying, Look, I'm you're gonna rush to work and you're gonna rush home mm-hmm. because you're gonna have a whole life here and I support that. Yep. And that's you're not Superman. I love that interpretation of that. I have it in here for
0: fear. Right, the fear of how quickly things can change and be totally obsolete, and I have it as a memory of people that I get to meet along the way, but um, you're right about that, and that Superman complex is what we talk about in this business finishing school that I'm deeply involved in now. I didn't tell you uh, when I was referencing it to you, but I love the company so much that I bought half of it about four months ago. Oh, that's awesome. And now we will share the message of business finishing. So do you remember the old guy, the Razor guy, who said, I love the Razor so much that I bought the company? I, mean, I, remember, yeah. I can't remember.
1: But it's it's, uh, it's Norelco.
0: Yeah, it was Norelco Razor. That's yeah. right. Was yeah. it, it wasn't Kraft, Kraft,
1: was it? Who said that? It has to be Kraft, right? He owns Norelco. It was Kraft. It yeah. was Kraft. Yeah.
0: Yes, I, like the, I like the Razor so much. I bought Now it. I own the Patriots. Well, <laughs> now I get to say that about business finishing school, right? That's I sauce. like the content's. Much I bought half the business, and I mean it. Yeah, because I believe that there are 25 million businesses in the United States, and most of them are are messed up. Yeah, and they're messed up because the owner doesn't understand simplicity, probability, and leverage. They they think. And by the way, it's the messaging all over social, grind and uh, and that's that's part of it. But if there isn't some underlining of foundational simplicity, and we're doing things because of probability for success, and we're able to leverage. You just have a mess on your
1: hands, man. Yeah, and I have one word for your finishing school and your core ethics there. It's allowance, right, which goes directly to the two things that I'm constantly focused on, time and ego, Mm -hmm. right? I'm constantly looking at life through a lens of productivity and accessibility, how productive am I, which involves time and ego, but how accessible am I? Accessible to others, but also allowing the access to the answers, which is the simplicity Right, The probability and the leverage, mm-hmm. they're very closely related. And I think a lot of people get lost in the minutia, like yep. you and I, yep. Yep. and they get lost in their ego. Yep. And when you spend a majority of your time understanding, I study history a lot, and the reason I study it is I want to learn human nature, mm-hmm. because out of anything, history with human nature focus allows me to understand time and ego. Yep. Because it repeats itself again and again and again. And if I know how to emotionally attach to people, if I know where that historical analysis lies, I raise my awareness, I raise my vibration, and most importantly, I can empower others yeah. with true humanity. I've learned that vibration piece from you. Uh, it's true. I mean, you can you can suck it out of a room or you can put it back into a room. It's so true. And you know, I'm, I do that with value, right? I have the 120 rule. And here's an interesting thing that I learned from – myself is that I talked about connecting emotionally. How many times do I walk into a room? Cause I used to do it with a phone call. I'd say I received no resistance and the guy would answer and the call would go great. But I started to realize I went up to a graduation party for my niece who's going to Michigan and I walked into the home. This is my own closest relatives. And I felt disconnected mm-hmm. and I'm sure everyone's felt this in some networking situation or even in their family. It was like almost as I walked in, nobody saw me. And I started having a need to be offended, which is an ego-based need. And I started looking, and there's my mom and the nieces and nephew. And there was no, like, Norm from Cheers welcome, which I really felt I deserved, right? I miss everyone. I love everyone. So what I did was I wanted to test. I turned around. My wife's like, what are you doing? I go, I'll be right back. And I walked down back to Beverly Hills, long driveway, back out onto the street. And I took one minute to shift my energy. Mm. And I shifted it and said, I'm bringing value to this place. I'm bringing 100 to 20 Everyone's going to get $100 from me, and I'm going to ask for 20 back, which is really important philosophy for me. And I literally felt different about myself, and I walked differently up the, the driveway. I walked back in. All of a sudden, <laughs> heads turned. My nephew <laughs> turned, literally, my favorite nephew turned, you know, and he almost ran like a five-year-old and gave me a huge hug. My mom lit up, right? There's, you know, money doesn't buy love, but it will rent the crap out of it. Yeah. You know, there's my favorite son, the guy that bought me a house, bought me another house, lost my house, and got me another house. Right? That's him. Yay! I was Norma. Cheers. Oh,
0: All, man. but
1: it was right within, yeah. and to me, even recently, that's a huge lesson to tell people. If you're not in that space yeah. at work, at home, yeah. take a moment, walk outside. Put yourself and watch this vibration work in your favor. I do it all the time. I take that one deep breath, center up, and off we go. Yeah, getting back to center. I do it all the you time. You told a story. I'm not interviewing you, but I loved it because you said when you were lost in your own ego— yeah. and misdirected that it wasn't just like the normal nerves for your employees looking away Oh, the boss is coming it was actually an energy that they you know like a no, dog no, afraid to rappel- get beaten yeah, right like a dog me. when you see a dog that's yeah. beaten and the the master comes by that's the picture that was in my head
0: yeah this was before billy's time i mean the day that happened it was in this studio set up a little differently and the the guy working the soundboard we we're doing a radio show at that time and um, he couldn't get the radio show right. He constantly screwed it up, right? We'd get caller, hey, call, her! drop, right? I would go crazy. <laughs> right, right, right. And, um, and then I would scream at him saying, today's the day. You're going to do it right today. I'd go, okay, boss, I got it right. And that first day he told me he was going to get it right, we dropped the phone call. And I ripped the mic. It was a totally different setup. And we had four screens here. And I smashed every screen. And then I smashed all the lighting equipment. In this small room, I threw the mic at the guy. Wow. And when I walked out of that door... Everybody was looking at me. Like Your name is Richard. Like you just <laughs> like you just you just you're just not that guy I thought you were.
1: Yeah, you're not and, my leader.
0: Uh, you're not my leader. You're not the guy that that I signed up for. Uh it was just it was just one of the lowest low moments I ever had in my life. And that was the day that I said we're gonna torture. By the way, I I, I say this a lot. Um you know it does take effort to change, but it doesn't take time. yeah, you can decide on a dime i 'm not going to crawl. I drew the line in the sand i 'm not going to cross it again and I think there's only one time since the torch that i that I went back into that mode, and it was because I thought the person was lying and trying to get over on me right and then maybe that's just a, a little kid you know that wasn't a mature adult right yeah. I just thought I was getting snowed right but in general. This is a completely different energy field and environment than it was three years ago. Even even the looks, because if, a, if an old employee ever came here, I want them to say, instantaneous oh my gosh this place looks totally different right it feels it st- different feels different looks different starts the minute the door opens it had to be a different place so
1: and you make twice as much money <laughs> and now we're crushing. it's simple <laughs> it's probable right it's leveraged it's awesome it's, and i felt it when i walked in like that's the biggest compliment you know i know we brought colleen from california for this on a saturday but I, it makes my heart sing when she's like oh that's what most people say when they come in our office yeah. i love the energy in here yeah, mm-hmm. and That that's important to me yeah. um um, you know and then you know I'll get back on topic a little bit too just for us cuz our careers are very similar in the fact that so you know I ran the sports agency became But stay with me how oh, did you
0: find how did you connect with Steinberg
1: I believe it was a manifestation and Steinberg manifested me and I manifested him but, but it things truly didn't was being finished
0: great for him I mean he uh, no. he he had a lot of which problems. I learned
1: later so I actually had a friend that called me and said I had gotten a job to get back on track. I was going to be the president of data for TELUS in Europe. A lot of travel back into the same scene, you know, and it wasn't feeling right to who I was. And my friend called and said, hey, uh, can you help me? I have a reality show called Showtime with Magic Johnson. We're negotiating with Lee Steinberg. You're the best lawyer. Now, this is funny. This is a high school friend. You're the best lawyer I know. I was like, well, you know, I'm not a lawyer. Right. I literally have never practiced law. He goes, well, you're the best negotiator I know. I said, okay. And I wanted to meet Lee Steinberg. So I told my wife, Hey, I'm going up here. She goes, you know, you're starting a new job in 10 days. I go, I know. I want to go up and meet Lee Steinberg. I'm going to help. Is he paying you? I'm like, no, he's not paying me. I'm going to do it as a friend. Literally. She goes, you know, we're broke. I'm like, I know. Don't worry. I go up, meet Lee Seinberg. He's the most similar person to my younger brother who went to Harvard, summa cum laude, could read a book in a day and tell you what page the passage was on. And so here was the guy that I shared a bed with, shared a room with for his entire life in my first 18 years of my life. Pretty, we're 14 months apart. We hooked, We just hit it out of the park. And I didn't ask for a job. I didn't know he was hiring. Jeff Morad had just bought into the Diamondbacks. They had sold their baseball practice for $100 million. Lee was looking for a new COO to take Jeff Morad's spot. I go home. I'm like, that was the most incredible day of my life. I can't believe I did that. I, this guy is amazing. And I get a call at 7 a.m. the next day. Can you please come back? Mm. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to close this deal for Magic Johnson and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, right. But no, I got there and Lee said, I'm looking for a COO. Would you be interested in taking the job?
0: So that puts you in the sports agent business. Yeah. And therefore, you, oddly enough, go back to
1: litigating deals. You're you're structuring and negotiating. And running and hiring people, you know, running a business. Now, I find out that Lee's an alcoholic for 20 years, that he's hidden it from the public because the media wasn't the same back then. (laughs) And I am now in a whole different position because I've gone through my quantum healing. I've gone through my quantum shift, and now I'm supposed to teach Lee what I learned. And Warren Moon, so my first day, true story, because people love this, right? Your dreams, you talk about manifesting. So here I am all of a sudden, I'm COO, I later become CEO, Lee Steinberg sitting in the Jerry Maguire office, literally that Tom Cruise sat in, and Warren Moon is in Suge's, you know, office, and I'm in between both Warren. And I didn't even know Warren Moon worked for Lee. I just knew he was a client. I didn't know he worked for Lee. And I'm looking out over Catalina Island, in you know, Fashion Island, yeah. and I call my wife. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm getting paid to do this. This is how how did this happen in one week? Like this secret stuff. Cause I was watching the movie, the secret, you know, like this stuff really works. Oh my God. I can manifest anything. I'm Jerry Maguire. This is amazing. And my friends were freaking out and literally, you know, life then told me why I was there though, amazing. was to heal Lee. Right. And, and the hardest day of leaving Lee, was we had Warren who had known Lee since he was literally 19 years old. He went to the same high school as Lee, Mm. but Lee was older. That's how Lee recruited him. And so Lee was a mentor and his dad figure because Warren lost his dad at seven. You know, literally I'm sitting there and Warren and I have a discussion. He goes, Dave, you got to leave. And I'm leaving too. And we're going to start our own business because the only, because I would make money. Lee would go into a bin, you know, just typical attic. Yeah. And every time I gave him great security, big deal. I had a movie deal with David Ansbaugh for the 500, and he would tank. But you're learning unbelievable
0: stuff in this chaotic, crazy, sort of almost, a, well, not almost, addictive environment. But yet you're still smart enough to be plucking all this incredible knowledge from yeah. this guy, right? And
1: relationships. What And relationships. My wife, who was freaking out because, first of all, it was hard for me to not – disclose everything to my wife because i tell you i knew lee was an alcoholic day one Uh, most people don't know this story day one of me starting they told me lee was sick well someone had called me from orange county register and said lee was arrested for public drunkenness so i knew there's a problem and then lee was in they're going to take his kids i mean it's just a mess well i hid from my wife that lee was an alcoholic for a long time yeah because my fear was I was in this extraordinary manifested opportunity, and the minute I go home and tell my wife this guy's an alcoholic, yeah, and in a mess, yeah. she's like, "Go to Europe,
0: right? Get me the get me the I'm steady checking get- job."
1: <laughs> now, it, it was sometimes a nightmare, but I, as I told her and explained to her when he, I said he had a problem because it came public a little bit and the arrest, I said, "Hey." I promise you, I I have a vision and you know, this is, I I believe in what Tony Robbins taught, right? Like I had always felt like, you know, when I was in the right circles in the Silicon Valley, man, I was awesome, right? Meeting the Kwamis of the world, you know, from Drive and like, I just could handle myself. Even at a young age, I met the CEO of McGraw-Hill who now is a publisher, I just signed a book deal, right? But I was there and I could hold my own. I left that world to be an entrepreneur and, you know, when I retired, I was hanging out with pool guys, you know, retired guys that play golf and, you know, went to the wrong places and did the wrong things. I knew that I was when I was around Troy Aikman, Steve Young, Warren Moon, David Anspaugh, Pizzo. Yeah. I, all of a sudden I'm like, this is my energy. Yeah, and guess what? Man. They accept me. Yeah. My clients are billionaires. Yeah. So who cares about if Lee in this business doesn't go anywhere because these people respect me yep. and I'll be able to, to work with them. What did you learn most from Steinberg, though, particularly in negotiation,
0: though? What did you learn? Three
1: things in negotiation. Number one, always be fair. Two, never negotiate to the last penny. Three, don't do business with dicks. Mm -hmm. Very simple negotiation. It came when I asked him for advice. I was negotiating to buy the Rams. Early on, before they were sold, and we were close. If the if the finance, you know, if I was deep depression didn't happen, we would have bought the Rams for nine hundred million dollars. Mm-hmm. We had a big financial group, Franklin Financial. I had the financing lined up. Lee's in rehab. I now I'm calling Jeff Morad, who's negotiating to buy the Padres at the time, and I'm like, Jeff, help me out. And I call Lee, and he's literally said, Dave, this negotiation's easy. Always be fair. Mm-hmm. Don't negotiate the last mm-hmm. penny, and don't do business with dicks. See, I—I I mean, I was—I
0: watched a lot of stuff on on Lee, just because I think he's just brilliant. Yes, and and the the downside of it to me um, doesn't tarnish the reputation it's that much disease. for a guy like me. It's a it it's almost a prerequisite for the greats.
1: It's there's some kind of distortion. The thing he taught me most, though, not in negotiation. The most powerful thing, Lee Steinberg taught me that changed my life was a simple sentence he told me be kind to your future self Mm -hmm. it's it's a lens for my life Mm -hmm. whether you know when i made the shift in my life to be healthy because i always put you know going bankrupt i put my family first and then work and then my health yeah and that was always the excuse me too i leave work to go work out now yeah yeah. i know looking at me you may not know i work out but trust me I work out really hard, especially considering what I eat and drink. <laughs> <laughs> this, my, my, my
0: business stole a lot of my health, and I am not being totally accountable for it. But um, I didn't put it first at all. And I, I, I'm I trying to get it back, but but it – you know. and by the way, I don't drink anymore. I quit in 97, but I transferred that addiction to cigars and hamburgers anyway. So you know what I mean? <laughs> right, I get it. I, so I'm saying I think I have a pretty good sense of not holding – Downfalls for that stuff against people because I think there's you, we're, there's a lot of success in addictive personalities.
1: John Daly had on my podcast, right? And I think it was one of those powerful things I asked John Daly. I said, don't you think in order to be the world's best, you have to be obsessive? Mm-hmm. Especially like golf. Like Warren Moon is so obsessive. Like ridiculous. Like he must have thrown the football a million times. He, he does everything with a spirit of excellence. If he cooks, he cleans. Everything's amazing, right? But if you don't, Focus that energy in the right place you yeah. end up like john daly cigarettes it. booze mm-hmm. not you know Get working out gambling. everybody oh, has God. right i i have that personality for sure and now i love it because i've really been able to harness my ocd my obsessive behavior into helping people yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. like I, I know it's a little bit freaky but i literally live a reverse hiding world where 90 percent of my focus is on helping people 10% is on my own mm. but yet I have made this weird adjustment in my mind that in order to help people, I have to make a lot of money. Yeah, totally. So that fires me up. Yeah. But in order to do so, I also have to be healthy. And so I I schedule, I'm a student of my calendar, and I really don't have time to go into that, but I'm happy to teach anyone how to change your life with your calendar.
0: Well, but that's the most important thing, though, right? I mean, people people think it needs to be willy-nilly and all. No, no, it needs to
1: be structured. Oh, yeah.
0: Because that's how you determine high value versus low value activity. That's it. I I agree. What am I doing this for, right? And now we could we don't have to say I'm doing it to make money, although I think that's important. But you could say I'm doing this is this is pro bono work. This is my give back. This I don't know where this one's going to go, right? Or this one is the tough decisions that I have to make because that's that's the job.
1: And all fall under that wise advice of Lee Steinberg: be kind to your future self. Mm -hmm. All of it is you know having that foresight. Of where you're gonna end up. So, look, time's not on our side today. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. I can be your first three time guest if I keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> that's so awesome. I'm gonna get a robe and Chevy Chase. You got all the greats, Billy Crystal, you know, you know, you young people, Google Saturday Night Live and talk about the five-time guys. <laughs> Do you have a, like a cool room for us? But uh,
0: let's talk about what does bring you to Dallas because yeah. uh, I'm going to see you later tonight, but I want people to understand this 50 by 50 mission that you're on, right? So let's yeah. talk about
1: it. I'm the chairman of the board of the Unstoppable Foundation. Unstoppable Foundation was founded by Cynthia Kersey a famous author of unstoppable and, you know, great women empowerment person 10 years ago when she turned 50, Mm. although she looks younger than me still, uh, she had a birthday party with a bunch of rich people and said, I want to raise money instead of get gifts. And since then, we've impacted 75,000 people. We've built villages and water and financial care. And we've empowered people, though. We haven't given it to them. We've taught them how to create healthy water and how to create financial institution and how to create health care on their own. And so for my 50th birthday, I decided that I would have 50 birthday parties around the world. And I have clients and associates and family that are sponsoring these parties. Today, Al Herrera from Dallas and Donald Driver, Mm -hmm. uh, they're sponsoring a party for me to raise money for the first community center in Kenya. Where we take those 75,000 people, you know, the parents that haven't been able to go to school, the people who have graduated from high school and college that never thought they would. And now we're going to teach them leadership Mm -hmm. so that they can empower 75,000, each of them their own. And we could change the world literally one person at a time. And I'm halfway through it. Mm -hmm. I'm about on 30 parties. Mm -hmm. Um, I will tell you a little insight. I didn't think they were going to be such big parties. I I, I travel anyway, so I thought, you know, I take 12 people to dinner, mostly rich people. I'll buy them dinner, and then at the end, I'll Jewish guilt them and say, hey, and I'll do a cake. Can you guys donate to my charity? No. Everybody got crazy. I'm in Australia, Mm. Hong Kong. That was the
0: Hong Kong thing that you did recently? I'm doing
1: another one in November in Hong Kong. You know, we're going to Australia, Mm. uh, New York, Florida, Dallas the goal's a million bucks over i don't limit myself <laughs> yeah 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 over a million dollars and we're almost there already oh my um, god so i'm going big and yeah. you know i'm just it's the best thing i've ever done in my life is
0: it really yeah man you've done some good stuff so to say that been that's blessed. pretty powerful yeah man.
1: been blessed but this is a powerful thing It changed my life so let's just let's just drive some traffic to that give me the sure your... it's the best way is if you text 555-888 50 for 50, mm-hmm. uh, or just go to unstoppable.org. Okay. Uh, or if you Google me, David yep. Meltzer, yep. or go to at David Meltzer, but the easiest way, Google Dave, David Meltzer. Luckily, I've got great SEO. You'll find me, click on the 50 for 50. I'm very available, mm-hmm. and I am just so grateful for all the people like you that have stepped out to support me on my foundation. I can't wait. I'm it's bringing awesome. my
0: wife and my three boys tonight. Can't We're wait very, to very excited. So. Thank you
1: for doing that. My friend, thanks. I mean,
0: uh, I got you here. The only thing left to do is sign my booth, buddy. Yeah, that's I'm going
1: to sign that booth, and you need to sign me a book. <laughs> I will. And I'll look for my invitation to be the first three-time <laughs> yeah, Matt Monero so Superstar. Awesome. I know.
0: Thanks for being on the show, buddy. Great to hang out with you, man. Uh, anytime. Thanks, Thank you. Buddy. Okay, cool. I'll see you all down the road. That's our episode this week with your host, Matt Monero. Check us out every Friday at 12 p.m. Central as we discuss money,
1: your life, and how you need more money.